So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space 102FM, which is a Cummins Inspirations production being produced here in our Cummins studio here in Arda. And this is the 30th of May. It's a feast of the Most Holy Trinity. My name is John Keeley. Thank you again for joining me this morning. And help me to present the programme, as usual, Shane Elbrose. Good morning, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we keeping? We're good. And also a big shout out and welcome to our listeners who are listening to us who are housebound. Those who mightn't be housebound, actually, those who might be listening to us in the car, those uh, those of our listeners who might be listening to us, maybe walking along, having a beautiful walk in the in the beautiful creation that we got around the place these days. Um, you're welcome and thank you indeed for joining us. And thank you again for your prayers. Your prayer support is so important to us. This program, uh, Sacred Space 102 FM, is broadcast on West Limit 102 local radio at 10 a.m. and 11 p.m. each Sunday. And the podcasts of, uh, of Sacred Space 102 FM are just some of the Come and See Inspiration podcasts available for playback and download at our Come and See Inspirations podcast page. Just to Google Come and See Inspirations and you'll find us there. You can also find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. You can also find us actually on the Limic Diocese webpage too. And also on Facebook. We do have a present on Facebook and it's Come and See Inspirations. Just search on Facebook, Come and See Inspirations, and you'll find us there. If you want to contact us uh, at all with a request or a comment, suggestion, you're welcome. Our text number is 087-6088-667. That's 087-6088-667. Or email, come and see inspirations at gmail.com. Now, at this point of the program, we'll invite Shane, as you were to share with us some saints for the week. Thanks, Shane. Of course, today's Sunday, this Sunday, we have the Feast of the Holy Trinity. And it's one of the Sundays that's set aside where the church focuses on a particular element of church teaching or doctrine, sometimes it's called. Uh, so Trinity is this Sunday, and it's, a, it's, it's given a solemnity. For those of us praying the Psalter, we're on week one. Uh, then on Monday, the 31st, we are looking at the visitation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So this is a, a the, the visitation to, of Mary to um, Elizabeth. And which, of course, we read about in Luke's uh, Luke's Gospel, and it is uh, it's also, of course, very famous because it's given one of two, given us some of the most um, favorite prayers of the church, of course, which is, of course, the Magnificat, and very much associated with the with the with the visitation. Tuesday then is obviously the first of June. Hard to believe it, but we're already into June, folks. And it is the feast day of St. Justin the Martyr, or Justin Martyr, as he's sometimes called, pagan philosopher who converted at the age of 30 and by witnessing, or sorry, reading the scriptures and by witnessing the heroism and faith of the martyrs. And he used his, or his philosophical and his oratorical skills to dispute with pagans and explain the faith. And he died in Rome in 165 AD, and he was beheaded, actually. And his relics are in the Capuchin Church in Rome. And he is, um, I just want to see if he's any patrons. He's nothing specific. Yes, he's the patron of lecturers and philosophers and public speakers. So that's just a martyr. Then on Wednesday, we have the feast day of Saints Marcellinus and Peter the Exorcist. 
So these were both uh, Roman clergy. Peter was uh, was a deacon, I think. Marcellanus, Marcellanus was a priest. They were martyred in the persecutions of Diocletian. And they are both mentioned, actually, in the Eucharistic prayer number one. They died in 304, just outside Rome. And there is actually, there was, or there is a, uh, there was a basilica built over their, their tomb by Constantine, which I don't think is there anymore. And uh, so that's St. Peter and St. Marcellanius on Wednesday the 2nd. Then on Thursday the 3rd, now pay attention, folks, for those of you that are listening from overseas, this is where the Irish calendar diverges from the global calendar. On the Irish calendar, on the 3rd of June, we celebrate the feast day of St. Kevin of Glendalough, one of the big Irish saints, so a very famous Celtic saint, native of Leinster and grew up, grew up in Kilnamana, where he received his early religious formation. He crossed the mountain to Glendalough and he settled there at the foot of the upper lake and, of course, led to the foundation of the monastery that bears his name and the great monastic city that was there. And spread, and he died in 618 AD. So that's Saint Kevin on the 3rd of June on the Irish calendar. On the 4th of June on the Irish calendar, we have the feast day of Saint Charles the Wanga and Companions. These are the Ugandan martyrs, died in 1886 at the hand of the, of the king of the Buganda. Uh, persecuted because they would not basically give in to what he wanted, which um, and and uh, in, in in and also for professing the Christian faith. On the general calendar, Martyr Day, Uganda Martyrs Day, celebrated the third of June, and it is a massive celebration day in Uganda. As people may know, I lived there for three years. It's a public holiday. There's a huge gathering at Namagongo where the where the where the martyrdoms happened. It's a huge event, uh, obviously curtailed recently because of the COVID, uh, and it's a big, huge celebration for Charles Zawanga and his companions, including Matai Malumba, St. Noah, St. Kizito. Kizito was the youngest, he was 14, and they were all generally, um, breakfast warning, they were all generally uh, burnt at the stake. Although uh, St. Noah was, uh, sorry, Matai Malumba, Matai Malumba was fed to dogs and St. Noah was killed by spears. So then, obviously, the 4th of June, that's Friday. That's the first Friday for those of us observing that particular devotion. Saturday, the 5th of June, obviously, is the first Saturday for those maintaining that devotion. And it's the feast day of St. Boniface. Boniface is known as the Apostle of Germany, was actually born in Devonshire in 673 AD and educated in Exeter in England. He went as a missionary to Germany with a number of saints, and he founded or refounded the church in Bavaria and became the Bishop of Archbishop of Mainz. Um, he was uh, he died in 735 in parts of Holland, where he was martyred for the faith. Now it's an interesting thing. Um, there is a legend that Saint Boniface is the person responsible for giving us the Christmas tree, mm. because um, he was said he, when he was converting and knocking down uh, pagan and idols uh, in Germany. He's, they, they worship the trees, and he said to have knocked down the trees with a blow of an axe, and found this, this, the, 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 a small little uh, what do you call them? Um, a, a small tree. I'll think of the word in a minute. Uh, growing up uh, in from it, which pointed to heaven. So he said it. They, you know, the tree was a sign of pointing to the true God. So it's an interesting one. Boniface died in 754 AD. And that's who we have in terms of the um, celestial guides for this week. Just to point out to people, next Sunday, Sunday week, uh, Sunday the sixth of June is the feast of Corpus Christi. Um, now I don't, I doubt there'll be too many places doing processions this year, uh, but just to remind people of that, uh, which means that Friday week, the eleventh of June, 
is the Feast of the Sacred Heart. So I know that a lot of people in West Limerick have a particular devotion to the Sacred Heart. So just to let you know that that feast is coming up. And as far as I'm aware, locally here in West Limerick, there is no novena being done this year in Robertstown. Um, I don't think at this moment in time. Obviously, Friday is the first Friday, and this is obviously the start of the month of June. So we remind people of the Pope's prayer intentions. So Pope's prayer intention is that let us pray for young people who are preparing for marriage with the support of a Christian community. May they grow in love with generosity, faithfulness and patience. So that is the Pope's uh, prayer intention for the month of June. Shane, thank you so much indeed for that. Just one notice that I've got for myself at the moment, and that's to remind listeners again about the Nabinit for Our Lady of Perpetual Help um, will again be held this year in the Mount St. Alphonsus Church, uh, the Redemptive Church in Limerick. Uh, it'll be online only, uh, June the 18th to the 26th. Uh, the times are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. in the morning, 7.15 and 9 p.m. in the evening. As I say, it's online only. Uh, that can be accessed through novena.ie. Now, unfortunately, we won't be able to... Well, we can only bring one session uh, here on the programme to listeners, and that's on the Sunday, on our normal 10 o'clock Sunday morning programme, uh, on the 20th of December. Uh, sorry, the 20th of June. We'll broadcast Mass, uh, the Novena session, the 10 a.m. session from the Redemptist in Limerick. So now there's a spiritual communion prayer we always pray. Um, very important that we give access to this prayer to people who would, under normal circumstances, maybe like to just about make, the, make their way to Mass, uh, be able to receive Jesus sacramentally, but can't at the moment. And this is the prayer we pray. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. So in part two of the programme this morning, we, are, we will be joined by Rose O'Connor from the Pastoral Centre and Sister Phyllis Moynihan, who were members of the uh, the group that was set up after the... After the um, go back again. What did you have there last year? A diocesan synod. Okay. So join us in part two this morning, where we're joined by Rose O'Connor from the Pastoral Centre and Sister Phyllis Moynihan, who are members of a working group uh, set up to examine the role of women in in church leadership. Um, They produced a report, as I said, uh, a few weeks ago. There's actually online on the diocesan website, there is a a recording of the webinar that was held uh, to coincide with that particular launch. Um, but they'll be joining us in part two this morning to give their reflection uh, to us on this particular uh, webinar and this working group. Well worth listening to. But in the meantime, we'll go for our first bit of music. This being Trinity Sunday, we'll sing, we'll play this lovely piece of music and it's entitled The Trinity Song. So back and join us in part two.
Welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space 102 FM. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shan Ambrose. So today we're delighted to welcome Rose O'Connor from the Pastoral Centre in Limerick in her capacity as chair of the Role of Women in Church Leadership Working Group, which recently published its report, hosted a, a wonderful webinar to coincide with the launch. You're welcome to the programme, Rose, and thanks again for joining us. Hello, John. Good to be with you again. Uh, we're also joined, uh, I think we had a, at least one visit from uh, this particular guest before, maybe two. We're also joined by Sister Phyllis Monaghan, who is also a member of that working group. You're welcome, Phyllis, again, and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, John. It's good to be here. So, Rose, why and when was this group formed, this role of women in church leadership working group? What's it all about and why and Okay, so John, it was um, it actually came out of the diocesan synod, which uh, many of your listeners, I'm sure, remember we had in 2016, and it was at that synod there was just over a hundred proposals brought forward, and there was a particular one on the role to explore the role of women in church leadership, and the proposal was that a working group would be formed. Um, so this group was formed out of that, and it, I always remember in the synod it got a great energy behind it in terms of being a subject that we really needed to address. Um, so Bishop Brendan uh, put group in place so it was formed in 2017 um, I was asked to take on the role of chair and uh, there was an, uh, nine of us in total on the group so we had a good mix of um, we had a priest we had two religious sisters we had a number of lay women lay men um, and I was coming from different perspectives of, of church you know so that was that was quite interesting so so this group was made up as you said from from various um, various strata maybe of, of church society should I say so how was it made up in terms of these terms of reference and what, what was the aim? What was so we had three terms of reference, really. The first one was to explore um, existing examples of, you know, positive examples that already exist where women are in leadership roles. Then also to look at and to research current church teaching in this area and the role of women in the church. And then lastly, it was to offer proposals and suggestions on the way forward you know, as to how we might actually address this topic. So those were the three. Perfect. So, 
can you talk us through maybe maybe for this or yourself uh, maybe the key phases of the work? First, of all, one of the first things we did, John, was to um, set about hearing women's voices, people's experience of working in in church settings, and that was a very key part of, of our um, I suppose the whole process and the whole thing is a process. And I suppose there were two, there were a number of areas that came out of or key points that came out of that. I think for women who were in formal positions of leadership in the church, they found that there there were skills were being used and that they were they were they fitted in and they were respected for the roles. I think where people women really struggled was maybe more in the parish setting where the roles were not as clear. Uh, and I suppose that was really I suppose where the struggle was. And I suppose women in many ways see themselves as the backbone uh, of the church called by the virtue of their baptism. Uh, they see themselves very much as members of the public day. And I suppose that women bring a very particular role, I think, to church settings, to life and to church. But very often their voices are not heard. And I think that was the struggle. Uh, and very often it really, in parish settings, it very often depends on the priest on whatever openings they get or whatever uh, hearing they get or whatever scope that they get. So that was really, I suppose, a very key part of it. And so I, I suppose there, were, there was a commonality, for want of a better word, of maybe some of the problems that women would have encountered. And maybe not even just women, maybe even lay people. It might be lay women or religious women, but even lay men too. Uh, coming up with this idea or problem maybe that they perceive as being, well, I'd like to offer something to the church. For some reason, I can't fit in or I'm not allowed to fit in. And that's probably very frustrating, especially if you're interested in your in your church and you want to develop uh, the faith community and maybe develop your own faith. So that, that must be fairly frustrating, maybe for so, to, to maybe to maybe to listen to some of those voices. It was uh, it was painful, and I think one of the things we discovered uh, during it was uh, religious. Um, even though religious, we are lay people, but I think we have the backings of a congregation behind us, and we can actually find paths or find ways to. I suppose, to be at parish level. But I think for lay people who wouldn't have the support of a congregation, it is much, much more difficult. And it really does depend on the structures and the openness of the parish priest or the priest in the parish to see how they might, whatever scope that they would get. But that is a painful part of it. And along with that launch um, of the actual report, there was also a webinar, and I actually watched that webinar myself. I, th- I thought it was fantastic. Um, the, 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 there was a lovely lineup of guest speakers that you had on. Uh, maybe, Rose, or maybe, Felicia, you can share with our listeners what they, who they were and what they spoke about. Yeah, I'll take that one, John. Um, so we had, yeah, we had some, we had well, three guest speakers, really. Um, the first one was Sister Patricia Murray, who came, she joined us from Rome that evening. And um, Sister Pat, she is the Executive Secretary of the International Union of Superiors General. And she's also on um, a Pontifical Council for Culture. So she was really speaking from the perspective of a woman who's actually in a leadership position. And I suppose it was, it was very interesting to hear her story. I mean, obviously, she has read a huge experience and richness of experience in terms of the work that she does within her own religious congregation. But I suppose it, like one of the things she shared is, for example, is that um, I can't remember which synod it was that um, it was called and, you know, she was involved in it as was her 
male counterpart from, from um, other religious orders. But what she said is that that her male counterpart had the status of a bishop because of, of his role. But for herself as a woman, there, there was actually no comparable, you know, there, there was no place for her in that. And so that was something that she's highlighted. But to, to, I suppose, give a sense of hope, though, she also um, you know, made clear to us that the Pope is making changes there. Um, you know, he is introducing new roles. He's involving women. He's giving women greater roles in these synods, which are very powerful, you know, Sort of uh, groupings and, and a process for for how the, the church changes its its way forward going in into the future. So I think that to me was a very positive sign that we're beginning to see that. And as was the other speaker that we had um, was Austin Avery. And Austin is a he's a biographer of Pope Francis. He's um, written a number of biographies of it for Pope Francis too. In fact, um, but he has also co-written Pope Francis' most re- recent book, um, uh, Let Us Dream. So he, he's co-written that with him. So I think he, he was, what was interesting, he had a very personal insight to Pope Francis' thinking because he, he actually got to work with him, you know, literally um, through Zoom over the lockdown period. And I suppose what, again, gave me a sense of hope is that he described some of the appointments that Pope Francis has made. And he said it wasn't just to put a woman into a position so you could tick a box and say, OK, there's a woman in there. But he said, in fact, he's, he's placed them in areas where they've been able to influence the culture. Of, of the area that they're working in. And I think for me, that is probably where the biggest challenge is going to be in this area is how do we change the culture? Because it's not just a clerical thing, but I think even as lay people, we have a culture of assuming the priest is at the centre of everything. We have a very clericalised model of church. And I think that's something, that's where the work to me is really, really needed. How do we change that? How do we move that one forward? And I like the way even that um, Jesse Rogers came on to the to, to, to the working group and and gave a presentation there of maybe women within the Bible within Scripture. So it was a very comprehensive report in that it encompassed the idea of what women were up to in the in the Scripture, but also in canon law as well. I mean that was touched on. So it it wasn't though it was just people having a moan. It was really people very constructively looking at all the angles. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. No, absolutely. And, uh, and Phyllis might like to come in on this as well. But I think as a working group, that's something that we took a decision on quite early on, is that we were going to focus on what was possible, you know, because you could be beating your head off a, a brick wall for, you know, for a long time trying to change the major topics. And I'm sure we'll come to those too. But we took the decision to see, well, what is actually possible? And I suppose what we discovered, I mean, the work that Jessie did with us and as she did on the night of the webinar was very reflective. She she highlighted the large number of precedents of women in leadership roles, you know, in in um, sort of uh, back in scripture so that we do have that precedent. And then we did some work with Canon Gerald Garrett, who looked at the canon law and we went through what the existing provisions are from canon law. And it's very clear that we are not drawing fully on what's possible within that. There is a lot of scope to do a lot more. I think. And I suppose it came right through, I suppose, is even say for Jesse gave us the giftedness of women and from our report and talking to women, the great gifts that women uh, can offer and are available to give and maybe their gifts are not fully utilised. And I suppose, again, what we were saying, we could have gone down with some kind of sex, but there was no point in that. And as Rose said, we really wanted to see what is possible, what are the opportunities and to be respectful of those and maybe create ways in which women's voices can be heard and women's gifts can be used. I think this is... I was just going to say, just in, just in relation to that, uh, Rose and Phyllis, um, one of the things that struck me about the report and, and, and the, the webinar is there is very much um, a nuance in 
how we understand the role of lay people and not just women but lay men as well uh, versus our versus the current understanding we have of the, as a clerical church and i suppose particularly in ireland and particularly in the catholic church in general it's very i suppose our tradition is very clerical focused and there's a nuance there i think which is very important to to bring out that you know, and, and it links into some of the you know the bigger issues you talk about, and I suppose the, the elephant in the room is the whole debate that's going on around whether or not you know, women should be ordained. And the question is, of course, that the, there's a focus on that predominantly because authority is exercised through ordination. And I think for me, one of the key things that came out of the report that you guys, that you worked on was, as you said, Rose, the fact that there is ways of exercising leadership that is open to people that is not tied up in the fact that the person is ordained. Mm -hmm. And for us, I think, as we, particularly in this diocese, because we're moving to a model of team, teams and team leadership because of our structures and our parish clusters, for us, there's definitely um, awareness raising to say to people and, and kind of, I won't say education, but more bringing people along to that realization that leadership isn't tied to the fact that, you know, you have been ordained. And that's, for me, is what one of the key things, key nuances that the report threw out. Yeah. And I think our bishop has shown tremendous leadership in that. And I think he's very open and he's very committed to moving this topic forward and, you know, creating ways. And I think, you know, Rose and I were talking earlier, you know, the mindset, even if people going up to Holy Communion, if there's a priest and a lay person, very often people will go to the priest. So there's a mindset and there's education. There's education needed, I think, right through for our priests, for our lay people, and the mm -hmm. issues that women face, men face as well. And I think for me, one of the things in the report, I, I think there was a quote there from, from the listening exercise that was done, where one of the one of the women said that she she had a leadership position, but even automatically in a group setting, people were deferring to the view and the opinion of the 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 the, 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 the cleric. Yeah. And you know, and I thought, you know, in in some ways, that that's that kind of almost defines what the problem is for us in a certain mm -hmm. extent. Um, but it's a challenge, and it's you know, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for us as a church, as a community, as a praying community, as a discerning community. And it's also, I suppose, it's a challenge for members of the clergy out there because, you know, if you think about it, they were trained in a particular way of dealing with things, a particular leadership style. And um, let's be honest, they're, you know, they're getting on in age and it's, you know, it's, it's very hard to treat an old dog new tricks. Mm -hmm. So in terms, of, in terms of that approach, I suppose, Rose and, and Phyllis, and looking at the practicalities, what was the positivity that you could, that, of, of what were the kind of recommendations that came out um, that you you know that we could look at that things that could be done. What what were the things that that you took away that would make you positive? So one of the things we were saying really is like that. You know, people are gifted, and you know, but the whole emphasis on team ministry and the core responsibility that all this be explored in the diocese for opening ministry and leadership roles for lay people, so that we actually, in a very clear way, we look at what what is possible. I was following on from that. I mean, the other big one was is looking at where do we hear the voices of women? And, you know, I suppose everything we're saying applies equally to lay men, actually. You know, in terms of canon law, there's no distinction between gender in that sense. But, you know, we were recommending that, that we look at opportunities where 
women's voices and perspective on lives could be shared within a liturgy. You know, I know there, there's certain guidelines around that, but I think that there's more could be done to ensure women's voices are actually heard. And then I suppose the other thing that is very important, if we, if we want to do this well, that formation is key to it. You know, so in terms of we're recommending that we have formation programs to, to facilitate, you know, that's what you talked about, some of those challenges around lay people and clergy working together, because it's new for everybody. So there, there is a, a sort of a transition period, I suppose, to help with that. And as you know, we have a, a lay formation program currently running. We have 24 people on that who are being trained um, in order to be able to work in a team ministry kind of environment. So I think that's a, a good positive step that we're already developing. But, you know, really, if we talk about the practicalities of co-ministering and co-responsibility, we really need to think about that. And we were also saying that, you know, that any um, ministry or leadership role is taken by lay people, whether it's a man or a woman, that they would be formally and officially publicly uh, commissioned by the bishop in the presence of the Christian community. And that this maybe would happen on an annual basis. So the, a formal commissioning of people in any leadership role. And we were saying, like, there are opportunities for the consolation ministry, for the bereaved and for funerals. So there are ways that we actually can, you know, uh, have programs and processes in place for people to be involved in, in ministry, in leadership. Maybe just to finish up this interview, um, where did the working group go from here now? Maybe Rose, first of all. I suppose, I mean, really, uh, John, at the moment, we're at the, the end of the beginning, if you like. You know, we've, we've done some of the groundwork and we've kind of identified where the challenges are and where the opportunities are. So some of the things that we're looking at as initial steps would be to, I think, first of all, to kind of explore this whole area of co-responsibility and, you know, to kind of hear different perspectives on that. So we're looking at maybe some focus groups around that to try and understand the behaviour and the cultural side of things, because I think that's really what's going to make or break this, you know, to get to the bottom of that. Phil has mentioned the whole idea of having a formal commissioning process, and I think that's something that's a very practical step that we could look at. And I suppose there's things like that kind of take stock of, you know, we have a large number of religious in the diocese and other lay people that would want to be involved in ministry, even to get a sense of, you know, because everyone brings a whole set of skills and experiences, supposed to kind of map out some of that expertise as well would be important. Um, and then I suppose, as Phil has mentioned, to look at tangible areas, you know, I think through this lockdown, we've had to be very creative in how we do ministry. So I think that's um, that's been interesting. I think there's scope to maybe continue some of that and to widen it. And of course, hugely important in all of this is to connect with young people mm-hmm. as the next generation of you know, the, the, the church of the future, really. And, you know, we know through our youth ministry programs, there's a great engagement with young people. But I think the way in which we engage with them will probably have to be quite different to what we've been used to maybe as, as let's say, the middle-aged group. And just one last thing, and I know we, we're kind of tight for time. You mentioned hope a few times there, and Phyllis, you certainly mentioned in, your, in some of your responses, um, there's hope going forward. Absolutely hope. And as I said, I think I commend our bishop for, I think, for supporting this and for being absolutely committed to it. And I think there's a new, there, are, there is a new, something new happening in our diocese and in our church. Watch this space. Is that what you're telling us? Thank you. Rose O'Connor from the Pastoral Centre and also Phyllis Monaghan from the Working Group of Church Leadership, uh, the role of women in church leadership. Thank you very much, Nate, for joining us today. Got to go out with a, final, with a piece of music to finish off this. It's one by Ceci Williams, and this one is entitled Holy Spirit, Come Fill This Place. So join us again in part three, where we read and reflect on the Word of God. Spirit, come and fill this place. 
So welcome back again to the third part of Sacred Space, 102FM. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose. And again, we thanks to Rose O'Connor and Sister Phyllis Monaghan for joining us there in part two to update us on that launch of that report last week. And again, just to remind listeners that if people want to access a recording of that web webinar, it is featured on the Diaston website. Say to people, John, that the report is available on the Diaston website as well. It is, actually. Yeah. But in the meantime, we will now go for our, um, our part of the programme where we read and reflect on the Word of God. Before that, we'll ask Shane to pray this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it, let our eyes be closed and our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, and you, Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for that, Shane. So the Gospel for today, Trinity Sunday, is taken from the Gospel of Matthew. So Matthew 28, uh, verse 16 to 20. The eleven disciples set out for Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had arranged to meet them. When they saw him, they fell down before him. Though some hesitated, Jesus came up and spoke to them. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And teach them to observe all the commands I gave you. And know that I am with you always, yes, to the end of time. That's the Gospel for today, Shane. A few thoughts you might want to share with us, please. I wasn't quite sure what to make of the gospel this morning um, because I wasn't sure if it was a follow-on from last week uh, or if it's for the, if it's for Trinity Sunday um, because of course last week was Pentecost and we 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 finished Easter the Pentecost is the end of Easter tide as it's called in the Easter season so um, and this very much is a focus on. Uh, what we have to do as church now that you know um, the spirit basically has been given to us, I suppose is the quickest way to sum it up. Um, the gospel itself, I suppose, it's 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 in one sense we're we're back with Matthew, so we've entered back into what's called ordinary time from a liturgical point of view. So what does that mean? So Easter is finished. So we, we've we've some seasons during the year, John. You've Christmas, you've Lent, you've Advent, you've Easter. And then all of the other times of the year is what's called ordinary time. That's not just it's boring or painful or anything like that but it's more to do with you know if you think about it the vast majority of jesus's life was the hidden years the 30 years in nazareth with mary and joseph so ordinary time kind of links back with that but also it gives us the opportunity kind of to to look at uh, a period where we reflect on the inner life of God and the move and Trinity Sunday gives us that opportunity to reflect on the inner life of God and that relationship that's there between Father, Son and Holy Spirit, which links back kind of to the to last week's program with Sister Therese Fitzgerald. And she told she reminded us that that whole uh, that whole thing between Father, Son and Spirit is a relationship, a divine relationship that we are invited into to participate in. 
Um, the gospel this week, though, is Matthew, as I said. So we are hearing Matthew's account of uh, the ascension, basically. And in it, of course, we have the grace, the second grace uh, commandment or the great instruction, the great mandate that's given to all Christians, which is um, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I am with you always, yes, to the end of time. And reflecting on that gospel this Sunday, for me, the, the, the line that stuck out was actually the last one. I am with you always, yes, to the end of time. And for me, I think you know, right now, given where we are with COVID and the year that we've put down and all of that sort of thing, I thought that was a very important thing to reflect on this Sunday. I am with you always, even to the end of time. It's a huge promise if you think about it. Jesus is saying to you and to me that no matter how alone that we feel, no matter how difficult and dark times are, somewhere in the middle of all of that, he is there with us, right beside us, accompanying us walking with us, uh, you know, journeying with us on, 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 on where we're at. And it's an important thing, I think, to say to people this Sunday, because, you know, there's a huge level of excitement at the moment, John, about going back out with the restrictions being lifted and there's the whole vaccination bump and all the rest of it. But at the same time, people are also very nervous. And there's a lot of people who are basically jumping the gun and doing things they shouldn't be doing, even though they they think everything's hunky-dory, and it's not. And then you have the other extreme, where people are still nervous, and they're still frightened, and they're still wondering what's going to happen. And there's the whole worry about, can I go to Mass? Can I go out to the shops? What can I do? What can I not do? You know, all sorts of discussions about the variants this and the variants that. From a faith perspective, I suppose, there's also the whole point of view that we are moving out of our cocoons. We've been restricting ourselves for the last 12 to 18, 16 months. And that's going to be difficult. You won't realize it until you actually go to do it, that you have got yourself into a space where you're comfortable in, in, in what you do in a limited manner. And we have to relearn what it means to be in community and to be in communion with each other. You know, we'll have to relearn almost. It was funny, I was at Mass last weekend and I actually had to stop and think what were the actions you were supposed to be doing at particular times. So it was like, when were you supposed to stand? When were you supposed to kneel? Because it's been so long since we did it. Um, but it, that's just a simple example. You know, it's not necessarily even just the COVID side of things. But to say to people, you know, this Sunday, the the, 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 the reflection and the thought that we have is or the, the feast that we celebrate this Sunday is the Feast of the Trinity. And the Trinity, the mystery of the Trinity, first of all, it's in one sense, it is a mystery. You know, we, we try to put words in it, we try to understand it. But ultimately, any words that I would use or John would use or anyone would use about the Trinity is not exactly going to even begin to grasp the, you know, what it is that you're trying to describe. You know, people say, prove the existence of God. Well, how do you prove the existence of the person that created, or the, the being that created everything? You know, that, that's... Uh, Sitting, sitting outside, uh, you know, the, the how we understand the world. But when we try to explain the Trinity, what we're trying to say is it's love. Deus caritas est. God is love. And when we're talking about the Trinity, that's what we mean. That's what we're talking about. That's what we are. That's what we are engaging with is 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 love itself is divine love as expressed in that relationship between 
uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the fact that we are invited into that relationship, that we are invited in to experience that divine love. You know, one of the things that we, always, we, we often remind people on the program is that God is always there, ready to embrace us and welcome us back. But it's up to us to do the turning around and to meet him halfway. It's like the 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 the, the, the parable of the of the prodigal son, you know, where he's returning to his father's house and his father sees him from a distance and runs to meet him. But the whole point is the prodigal son had to take the first step and go home. And that for each of us is the reminder, I suppose, that you know, no matter where we're at, no matter who we are, God is with us all the time. And Jesus said that to us in this Sunday's gospel. You know, they went up the mountains where Jesus had arranged to meet him. They fell down before him, though some hesitated. And I always like that line, some hesitated, because we always have our moments of doubt. Faith is never certainty. You know, you know, for people that would turn around and say to you, oh, sure, I'm certain about it. It's kind of goes, no. Faith is never certainty. It is a gift. It is a gift of the Trinity, as we reflect on the Trinity this Sunday. But it is a gift that needs to be nourished, a gift that needs to be supported. And it is ultimately something that each of us have to find for ourselves. One thing I would say to parents out there that are particularly worried about the children and the grandchildren, you know, all you can do is be the best example that you can and encourage them in different ways. But ultimately, you have given them a gift and they have to be able to embrace the gift. You can lead them by example. You can lead by prayer and, and that kind of thing as well. But it is a gift at the end of the day. And ultimately, it is a calling that each of us are called to by our baptism. And we have to allow for the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So this Sunday, as we pause and kind of reflect on Trinity Sunday and looking at the gospel that's put before us, I suppose if I was to sum it up, I would say, keep hope, be gentle with ourselves, be open to participating and making space to take part in that divine conversation between the Father, Son, and Spirit in terms of divine love. And being aware that we are like the apostles, we are like the apostles on the mountain. There are moments of doubt, there are moments where we can hesitate. That's okay. That's okay. Allow yourself that uncertainty. That's allowed, because ultimately we will be embraced by divine love, and that is ultimately what today's solemnity is about. Shane, thank you so much indeed for sharing that. Just two little points. One, I want to just uh, mention a point that Father Frank Duick shared with us uh, as he shared some some thoughts with us on this week's Gospel uh, this week, the Lecture Divina Group. And Father Frank just, just makes this point. This gospel highlights the fact that so much of what we're called to do as followers of Christ is to be done in the name of the Trinity. This feast and this gospel invites us to look at our own practice of blessing ourselves. Have we noticed that every ceremony and every element of our practice of faith begins with the sign of the cross in honour of the Holy Trinity? We might ask ourselves, has our practice of making the sign of the cross changed in any way? Does it happen less often than it used to in our lives? If it does, when when did we decide to do it less often? Or did we decide? Or did it just happen? Did the opinion of others and what they might think decide for us? 
Is this something that today's gospel and feast might be asking us to reflect on? Just something that I thought I might share with listeners there, and also for myself as well. Good night, John. I thought I'd done Just something that I might, I thought I might just share with listeners there this morning. That thought from Father Frank. And I suppose the, the other thought that came to my mind this morning is, as Shane mentioned, those, those last few words, the beautiful few words of the gospel, know that I'm with you always, yes, to the end of time. There are many beautiful words that come to us from the lips of Jesus in the gospels. But today we hear what I believe are the most confident and know that I'm with you always, yes, to the end of time. So whatever situation I'm in, be it worrying or challenging, I know that Jesus is with me. What a wonderful promise. So today, let's give thanks for that wonderful gift that we have of Jesus being with us for all time. And with that, I'll go for a final piece of music. Because of that particular thought, I, I thought one by uh, a song by Dan Moen might be appropriate. This one is t- entitled "Thank You, Lord." So next week, uh, thanks again to Phyllis Moynihan and to Rose O'Connor for sharing with us this morning, and also for Shane and uh, help me to produce the program, present the program again this morning. And we'll try to do it all again next week. So until then, from myself and Shane, God bless for now. Bye. Bye. says it's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. Amen. I come before you today And there's just one thing that I want to say Scenes that I cannot see. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. With a grateful heart, with a song of praise, with an outstretched arm, I will bless your name. Let's go.